Welcome to Inaudible. I'm your host, Jeremy Wyland, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nathan Reddy. On this podcast, we discuss the weird, beautiful channeled messages found in the long tradition of contact with the Confederation of Planets in service to the One Infinite Creator. These messages articulate a philosophy of spiritual evolution popularly known as the Law of One. Many of these messages are available to listen to on our sister podcast, Living Love and Light, available on all platforms. We seek to provide analysis and commentary on this philosophy described in these messages, identifying the common themes, and grappling with the application of this information to our human lives. However, we are not counselors, gurus, or experts of any kind. So please evaluate our words in light of our shortcomings, and use your own best judgment. Thanks for listening, and I am very happy to introduce for the first time to the podcast, John Furman. Uh, John does a fantastic YouTube channel uh, called Insight 369. Do I have that right, John? Um, in, in Inspire 369. Inspire 369. Dang it. All right. Cool. Uh, oh, well, oh, let's start over. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I was just, I was weirded out because um, I got momentarily distracted because the rain just started dumping where I am. Oh, wow. As soon as we started recording. Um, and I was like, it's the AC on? Because that's really loud. But uh, no, that's, it, that's. Though. Yeah, good, good, good. So, John, how are you doing? Good, good. Yeah, really good. Fantastic. Nathan, how's it going, buddy? Life's good. Cool. Well, thanks, uh, both of you, for uh, joining me. Uh, I don't think we, we... The last time we did a three-person podcast was interviewing uh, uh, Claire D'Artes, uh, me and Ryan, on The Archetypal Mind. So I'm hoping that this will be a little... Slightly less heady, but um, we'll see. Um, the The topic today is on magic, ritual magic, ceremonial magic, you know what what magic is all about, and how it fits into the law of one philosophy and the seeker's path. Um, is there anything you want to elaborate on that, uh, Nathan? No, I mean I was just gonna let everyone know that. Um, I'm not well versed in the topic of magic. So for today, I'm going to be taking more of an interviewer style and asking you two, the experts on the, on the subject, um, some questions in, uh, in terms of kind of like what we're going to talk about today. Uh, first, we're going to go over what our definition of magic is. Um, second, as a seeker, why do we care about magic? Third, maybe the common types of magic, at least discussed in some of the frameworks um, or the raw material, confederation material. Uh, then talk about maybe what isn't is not magic, right? We'll go into some confederation quotes. Uh, we'll go into some personal experiences and individual uh, topics, and then we'll finish with some concluding thoughts and takeaways. So let's just dive right in. Uh, first for the panel, the first question is, is uh, what is your definition of magic? Uh, well, John, why don't we start with you? Sure. Um, so I define magic as really the the um, harnessing develop, harnessing and manipulation of energy, but also the development of, of the personal will. That's really what the purpose of magic is, in, in my opinion. It's it's um, it is a it is a a the Western tradition of of what in the East they you know call tantra yoga um, and, and 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 systems like that, right? In, in the West, we have magic, which is which is our yoga. Right? It's our it's our way of building out our energy system. It's it's our way of of um, of strengthening our, our 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 aura. Right? 
in, in, in Buddha or sorry, in Buddhism, meditation is really the focus and that's more of the mental mental sphere in magic and and in in the tantric traditions in the east it's really about building out the energy system and and the the energy body and so that's what i believe um magic is is all about wonderful i loved uh i love how you brought uh tantra into this because as i said i didn't i don't don't know much about the subject but uh i'm a little bit familiar with that so uh awesome jeremy uh what's your kind of uh, understanding of magic uh, well, I have always been uh, influenced by those of Ra's definition. Um, and, and like they don't really have uh, a set definition. They confirm Don's question of the definition that uh, uh, W.E. Butler, I believe, uh, offers in one of his books, um, which is the ability to create changes in consciousness at will. Um, so in conscious, now that's kind of a, a sweeping, uh, uh, definition because consciousness in our philosophy is everything. So it's like the ability to change everything. Right. But I think it's interesting to locate it in consciousness because it shows what level of reality is being worked with when we talk about magic. It's not, um, you know, a lot of people dismiss magic because they think it's about casting spells or doing rituals that like make things in phenomenal reality happen. Um, but I tend to think of that more as uh, I think I think that's a, a little bit petty <laughs> of, a, of a way to approach it, because the point is, is that magicians are working with deep concepts that that underlie our reality Um and that, you know, it, it's kind of uh, a deeper version of what, like, a magician, like a magician that's commonly and popularly known, like, uh, you know, uh, somebody, like, making the, uh, you know, uh, the Empire State Building disappear or something like that, uh, or, or making a card disappear. What they're doing is they're changing your perception. They're manipulating your perception. And at the end of the day, if your perception is how you perceive reality— if it's how you sort of like put ideas together in your experience, then that very much is magic. And by the same token, if we can imbue our seeking process through life with more meaning and we can participate in its deeper evolutionary task uh, in, 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 a, in, a, in a way that uh, gives us a sense of agency then I think we're using that same kind of power that John mentioned. Um, And so what I will be talking about, uh, and I'll be trying to take things in the direction of where the law of one helps us guide this power. Uh, Because I I, I think every single person listening to this podcast, every single person um, that uh, exists has this latent power in them. just like every single person has like, for the most part, a muscular system with which they can effect changes on reality, effect changes on the material world. The question is, is have you honed that or not? And so we're talking about in what ways is it useful and, uh, and, uh, positively polarized, let's say, uh, to hone that. So as a seeker, um, why might it be important for me to consciously understand and work with the concept of magic because it sounds like that uh, a lot of what we do maybe as seekers 
uh, works with it without conscious knowledge, right? So what, 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 why do I want to have a better conscious understanding of this concept, Jeremy? The, you may not, okay. right? Like it may be that, you know, the magic that you normally perceive in the world. I mean, most of us don't think about how our cell phones work, how electricity works, how, I mean, we can, we can give ourselves explanations. We can, we can engage in experiments, but very few of us build this technology from the ground up. It is in a way a kind of magic in the sense that it, affa- it affects changes in the reality that we perceive. And it does it in this orderly way, right? It does it in this way that um, where we can reproduce phenomena consistently from moment to moment to moment. Um, you know, it's funny because uh, in the uh, Renaissance era, when you had this tradition of hermeticism and, and magic going on then, the way that they thought about magic was the same was very, very similar to the way that the scientists like Galileo and Newton thought about the scientific method. It was this way of ordering their their consciousness, their perception, their reality. The difference between the scientists and the uh, magicians was the magicians want to apply an orderly, structured way of understanding uh, the nature within. And the scientists wanted an orderly, structured way of uh, approaching uh, the nature without. So the, so the material world. Um, and the church was opposed to them for exactly the same reasons. There was no, like, distinction between these two. They were, they were uh, subverting the authority of the church to tell people how things were. And instead, people were learning how to find out for themselves. Now, when you don't have an authority laying this down for you, you have to have some reliable means to, 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 to figure out the principles behind things. And that involves experimentation, careful documentation. And that's what both parties did. I want to say that, like, to the extent that we don't engage in our lives like that, we're probably not doing magic. But there's always some way in which we're learning and, and, and reacting to the feedback mechanism of, of perception and experience. And uh, John, what are your thoughts on maybe why um, a seeker can benefit from the conscious understanding and, and use of magic? Yeah, I think I I, I agree with Jeremy, um, and I and I'd also add that one of the things you know that magic does is 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 the the strengthening of of the will, right? And when when I say that, it's not you know there in in a tradition called Thelema, which um, Alistair Crowley uh, started. It's more of a religion. Um, now, but, uh, it, it, it was, it was essentially the, the saying is do, do what thou will is the whole of the law. Right. And a lot of people misinterpret that as saying, oh, you know, just do whatever you want. Right. So, but it's, it's actually means, um, you know, aligning your will with, with the will of the one infinite creator. Right. So it's like you're making your will in this world. Um, uh, you know, what, what you're here to do, the gifts you're here to spread, right is, is, is having the courage to, to do that while also aligning, you know, uh, with, with the will of the one. Right. So we're all here. We all have gifts. Some of us have gifts, you know, in, in this area, some of us are stronger in this area. Um, and if you don't discover that, right. Or if you understand those gifts, but you don't use them effectively, you're essentially wasting those gifts. And so that's, that's really what he was talking about is like, is like, you know, strengthening your your will to to affect change in this world um by by um um developing yourself you know in 
in that capacity. So as seekers, I think it's really important for us to, 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 um, to do that. Right. So we're, you know, we're as wanderers, right. We, we all have a, uh, a, a, a purpose, um, you know, in this world. Right. And so magic affords us the ability to kind of understand ourselves better, to strengthen our, our, our will, right. And our ability to kind of, um, um, do what we, we set out to do in this world. The other side of that, I guess, in addition to that, is the um, the protection it affords. And so, I, from my personal experience, um, when I was first kind of waking up, uh, you know, in my early twenties, I I was getting into yoga a lot. And so, and in, in, in yoga, at least in the way it's taught in the West, is you know, you do a lot of breath work, you do a lot of the, these 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 grounding exercises, but you don't learn a lot about protecting yourself. And what I mean by that is strengthening the aura so that you're not taking on other people's energy or you're not having negative astral parasites and stuff kind of, you know, um, attack you essentially. And so it sounds a little crazy to say, you know, all, all that, but, but, you know, in magic, uh, you learn, the first thing you learn is the banishing ritual of the, of the lesser pentagram. And the reason why you do that is, is because when you're doing this type of work, you tend to light up in the astral realm and it, it attracts, you know, uh, certain um, entities towards you. And, and some of them have, you know, not good intentions. And so when I was younger, that's, that's what was happening to me. And so I, I would have, you know, experiences where, you know, I would kind of, you know, have sleep paralysis, you know, and kind of see shadow, you know, people in, in your sleep kind of thing. And, and, and very scary experiences when you're first kind of waking up and you don't really have a context for what's happening. And so it kind of scared me to the point where I kind of stopped doing any kind of work, um, you know, energetically, right, for a long time. And then I read the Law of One and, and I discovered uh, the uh, Golden Dawn, you know, um, um, which is the magic that they were practicing in, in, the, in the material. And that kind of opened my eyes to kind of a, a new system, a way of kind of, um, you know, uh, of, of, of developing that level of protection, which is needed, I, I think, um, for, for seekers who are, who are waking up and kind of, and, and, and who, who, who are, I, I, it's kind of hard to describe, but it, essentially if you, if you're, if you're sensitive to that sort of thing and, and you are meditating a lot and you're doing breathing exercises and things like this, you can um, open yourself up energetically to forces that you necessarily wouldn't want to, to open yourselves up to, if, if that makes a lot of sense. And so, and so that's, that's kind of where magic I think is very important to practice as like a, as a way to, to protect yourself and create like a shell, you know, that you can kind of work with. So John, to follow up on uh, your discussion of protection, um, are there categories of magic that you find uh, useful to like kind of think and, and categorize? So for example, you mentioned protection, you mentioned tantric practices, um, are there other kind of areas that uh, you feel like it's useful to delineate? There's a certain type of magic here, um, you know, just different ways to think about these different types of magic. What, what categories would you say are out there? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, you know, uh, there's planetary magic, which is really about um, um, affecting. Uh, uh, so I, I guess, I guess, yeah, there's, there's different grades and different levels, right? You, you start out at least in, in Western tradition, you, you start out learning elemental magic, which is really about, um, you know, learning to work with fire, learning to work with earth, learning to work with air and, um, and, um, um, and, and 
so forth. And that, and the, and that really is when, when, when you're doing that kind of work, it's really about, um, you'll, you'll, you'll find, uh, that each of these elements, um, correspond to different areas in your personal life. Right. So like, for example, if you're working with the element of, of earth, right. And you're doing the invoking ritual of, of the lesser pentagram, but you're doing it for earth. You'll, you will find that, um, you know, for example, if you're overweight, uh, you'll suddenly have a desire to kind of lose weight, right? It's like getting your life in order, if that makes sense. But in like on the, on the elemental plane, on the earth level, when you're doing planetary magic, you're invoking, uh, planetary energies, which are higher order, uh, levels of consciousness. And that, and that deals more with affecting, uh, you know, it, essentially it's, 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 it's a lot quicker in terms of what it manifests, right? It's, there's less work involved on your, on your side. So like if you invoke Jupiter, right? Jupiter is, is known, uh, as like good fortune. It's if, if you're trying to like, um, invoke money into your life or prosperity, right? You would do, uh, you would invoke Jupiter and you would work with the Jupiter energy and that, and if you do that, uh, you, you would tend to get things like, oh, you know, uh, uh, you know, a, a raise at your job, or, you know, you would find money like on the street or something like that. If, you know, that energy is, you know, um, willing to work with you in that sense. Um, the problem is if you don't do the elemental stuff, right, the base level stuff before you do the higher level stuff, first off, you're going to make unwise decisions. You're going to basically, you know, want to get rich quick, right? And so you're going to invoke Jupiter when you're not ready to do that. And so Jupiter will give you prosperity potentially, but with a terrible cost, right? It, it'll be like, okay, well, I'll, I'll win the lottery or something like that, but it'll be, you know, you know, but, but then something bad will happen to me because I, because I need to learn that lesson that I didn't learn when I worked on those elemental grades, if that makes sense. Um, so that's one example of like, kind of like the different okay. levels or types of magic. And then, yeah, but then you also have like, um, um, you know, obviously, uh, uh, black magic, which is, which is, which is a little bit different in that sense. Um, and, uh, uh, other magic, which, which works more with, um, um, you know, um, I'm trying to think, I'm about to cut this part. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I can just leave it at that, but yeah. I, yeah. I think we're going to have an opportunity to get way into the negative side of this. Yeah. Uh, because it's something that's like directly dealt with in the law of one. Um, but, uh, one thing that I'd like to point out is that, you know, you know, what, what, what John, what you're talking about may strike people as pretty out there, right? Like you've just laid out a framework for your understanding and, uh, and honestly, a tradition of understanding what at the end of the day are deeper energies, deeper patterns of energy, that we have determined have these kind of qualities that we are able to assign symbols, labels, reference to. Um, it's important to understand that there are other systems, right? Like that, than, than, than the ones that you know, than the ones that I know that also work with the same energies or maybe even different energies, different aspects of the energies. The, the problem is, is that when we're talking about energy, we're talking about something that is so abstract and undifferentiated that it's unworkable. It's just energy. So, that, so we introduce distinctions and separations into these energies and we find these different qualities. And then what I think is really interesting about ceremonial ritual magic is that we find ways to consistently and persistently invoke 
aspects of what at the end of the day is all one. We're invoking these and bringing and mobilizing these aspects. The same way that the archetypal mind is a kind of a, a way in which we've taken a cookie cutter to something rich and unified. Mm-hmm. And we said, well, this, is, this, this way of slicing and dicing it up or this way of uh, dipping in and pulling parts out, it, it doesn't make it less um, a piece of a whole. It just means that by looking at it as a piece, by introducing, in other words, this kind of focus or separation, we then are able to do what another thing that, that Ra uh, says in a very general and undifferentiated way, work, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's a reason why they just use the word work when they're talking about a lot of uh, spiritual invocation and execution of power. It's because they want to keep it general and probably they want to uh, elide any... Uh, 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 pigeonholing of it into one polarity or, or another as a, as a, just to begin with. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I think it's really good to, that uh, this is why I wanted to bring you on because you have these specific ways of approaching things. I think probably what I'll be doing is like generalizing a lot and like trying to like work, trace things back to like the more uh, general way that the law of one looks at things. Yeah, it's, it's a good contrast to have both of you from, uh, you know, such unique perspectives. So in terms of um, quotes from Confederation philosophy, uh, were there any that really spoke to you, Jeremy, on the subject of magic? Oh, yeah. Oh, um, there were there were several points that uh, John was talking about in the specific Western tradition that I wanted to trace back to uh, Ra's, you know, uh, uh, extraplanetary <laughs> point of view. Um and I, I think I think the the place to start is will because I think this is a very very important element of the way in which magic is done, um, and uh, in in session seventy nine question thirty two uh, those of Ross say, as you understand if we may use this misnomer magic the magical potential in third and fourth density was before they're saying they're talking about before the veil right so a, a, a third density in you know quote unquote past creations uh, uh, the magical potential was then far greater than after the change however there was far less desire or will to use this potential so although we probably have some like 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 vague memory of past creations in which the world was magical. And sometimes I think fantasy is like a reaching back to this more magical time when things, when, when the, when the potentials of creation were more at hand, right. And more ready to be invoked, but we didn't have the, the, the desire to use them. And that in marshalling that will is, is, is the first real step towards uh, acting, whether it's, in the phenomenal world that we all recognize, whether it's in the deeper world out of which that phenomenal phenomenal world is constructed. Um, any thoughts on that, John? No, absolutely. I, I, that's that's actually brilliant. I think um, I think that that is one of the one of the goals of magic. You know, it's like it's it's to unveil, right? It's to it's to yeah. um, you know have your own personal apocalypse, right? It's like go through that um, that unveiling and and you know, one of the things that's really important to, to remember is that it's it's through faith, right? That that you truly can kind of cross cross the abyss, so to speak, you know, and and um, and 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 tap into that that potential. 
I think that's that's really interesting. It, you know, when they talk about intelligent infinity and you know intelligent energy, right? And magic is the the utilization of of the energy that we speak of in magic. I mean, that's that is intelligent energy, you know, and um, and and tapping intelligent infinity, you know, allows one to to bring forth that intelligent energy into the world, and and um, you know, the process of developing yourself um, as a seeker on the positive path, right. Is, is to have that foundation and that balance so that you can use it wisely and, and for service to others versus, you know, the negative path, which is the opposite. So, yeah. I have a great quote, uh, excerpt here that addresses just this. I'm so glad you brought up faith because I think this is where we start to get into where polarity fits in, into all of this, right? How polarity is kind of this like galvanizing charge that takes a normal human animal or third density experience and really sort of like, you know, puts a high voltage through it. Uh, On June 14th, 1992, Kuo was addressing this and they said, as a positively polarized person living a life in faith, one is prone to feel safe in the arms of the good, the true and the beautiful. However, the entity upon the negative path feels that there is no safety, feels that there is no haven, feels that it it and only it shall be the one to be counted upon, relied upon. Therefore, this entity wishes to build personal power with a greater initial reason and impetus for building a magical personality. Furthermore, this magical personality is simpler to build than the positively oriented magical personality. The negative entity need only attempt to, oh, inaudible, something to the self, oh, probably accrue. The negative entity need only attempt to accrue to the self all personal power of any kind whatsoever without the need for discrimination or judgment. And just to jump in, this is what you were talking about, this ability to sort of like understand how you're grounded in this or to sort of just accept anything and then you're sort of like swayed by whatever forces you're you're sort of transmitting through yourself. They continue, the positively polarized entity instead is moving through processes of balancing the simply the seemingly opposite of all things to ascertain the most careful balance of truth of beauty, of goodness. For to the positively oriented entity, it is clear that the illusion has the appearance of a bias towards negative events and circumstances. And Ra talks about this too, that, you know, in third density, we seem, everything seems negative, but that's because most of us are in the sinkhole of indifference or polarizing positively. And we're all in kind of a quiet horror, I think they call it, about what goes on in the world. To continue, uh, In order to clarify right action and the positive use of power, careful balancing of all stimulus needs must must be done. Thus, each of you has the seemingly more difficult task in in living a life. (laughs) Thus, each of you has the seemingly more difficult task in living a life in, in living a chosen life of faith for both paths are given by the one infinite creator. Although the creator offers suggestions implicit in experience that the positive path of serving others is preferable and more to be desired, the negative path beckons, and it too is powerful. I would say it's inaudible, but I think powerful. Uh, As this instrument would say, godly in that there is no energy but that of the one infinite creator. 
Further, the inaudible of your experience in third density offers simpler beginnings to a metaphysical base of power for those who, which choose negativity. What is not obvious is that the negative path becomes more difficult, more and more difficult, until at last it is a road impossible to be walked, whereas the positive path is eternal. And I think that last part is really interesting. Um, we, we know that those of Ra have often said that the negative path or the path of that which is not, as it is traversed through the evolution of higher densities, becomes more and more difficult. But I never heard it uh, articulated so well why it's so alluring in this density as a starting point. And it makes sense that if everybody kind of perceives our world as kind of having a negative tinge to begin with, one would want to act in this world and therefore start with the accrual of power as a way to kind of like, you know, protect oneself from the world and then control the world as an act, sometimes of, of, of goodwill, seemingly, right? You want to help and then you start to take on more and more power so you can help. And by the time you know it, you're like going down the path of Anakin Skywalker, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's, it's uh it's the question of like how do you use power right so mm -hmm. you know in this world we're veiled and uh every you know we the the default position is limitation you know what i mean we, we we're seemingly limited um and and i think that power comes from from that feeling of 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 limitation of like wanting to be secure of wanting you know resources etc and uh, when you're on the positive path, right? I mean, we, we, even the positive and negative path have those needs, right? We all need resources. We all need things. We all, we all need, uh, you know, um, uh, support. And it's just that, you know, those on the positive path, right. Utilize power in term, you know, with a lot more wisdom, right. And, and, and a lot more of an open heart and, and it, it's learning how to do that, I think is the, is a big challenge. And, um, and particularly when you're, when you're dealing with magic, because when you work on magic, you do become more powerful, right? In, in terms of like your own personal will, right? You get strengthened, and so therefore you're able to you're, you're able to act more effectively in the world. You get clearer thinking. You get, you know, all these benefits. Um, it's very easy to see how t how tempting it could be to use that to gain something, right? Gain resources yeah. to gain a job or like our money or you know, to will something into existence that, that, you know, you want, right. Um, you know, and admittedly, like, you know, as I've developed this, it's like, you know, there are instances where I could see both in, in myself. It's like, I could see, you know, utilizing this, you know, a, a magic for gain, personal gain. I was like, well, I could do that if I wanted, you know, but it's like, I'm like, you know, it's like, it's like, I, I feel like not shame, but I just feel like, in my head, I'm like, okay, well, you know, obviously we're, we're dual beings who have both good and bad in us. Right. And so it's, it's that choice to, to say, okay, I understand where this can go, but I need to, you know, make sure that this is working for the whole, right. Working for, for, for everyone and, and maximizing the free will of, of, of all. And I think that's, that's an important lesson um, that we're learning in, in third density is, is that utilization of power, which I find really interesting. Absolutely. Uh, the, uh, the, the way that I've heard it uh, discussed by Carla somewhere was that, and I think they even have this in some of the rituals that they use to, uh, to, to set up for the raw contact, was that 
one seeks in order to serve. And um, it, 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 there's, a, there's, a, there's a raw quote about this, uh, session 71, question 16. They say, it is possible for what you term white magic to be worked for the purpose of altering only the self or the place of working. This is done in the knowledge that to aid the self in polarization towards love and light is to aid the planetary vibration. And it's, and it's important to recognize that this faith comes back into play with that, uh, like you said, John, because what you're doing is you're trying to bring power and, and faith and will to the places where the creator sees it needed and that you're not the, uh, you are not the big planner deciding how things should be. You are trying to be an instrument for the creator's will. And that requires an emptying out of self and an emptying out of, of the self's uh, uh, designs uh, to make this possible. And, and um, it's, it also, there's, a, there's another uh, excerpt I had that talked about how there's a lot of uh, balancing of catalysts that's necessary in order for you to be able to be this balanced and therefore unbiased to the extent that you can be unbiased instrument for this transmission of love and light into the creation where, where the creator would have it be. Um, but I can't find it right now. So I have, I have a question for you, Jeremy, um, or, and John based on, on that last quote. So, you know, just to reiterate what you just read, it, it is possible for what you term white magic to be worked for the purpose of altering only the self or the place of working. This is done in the knowledge that to aid the self in polarization towards love and light is to, is to aid the planetary vibration. Um, so how exactly does uh, aiding the self in polarization towards love and light aid the planetary vibration? Is it just, um, is it something like you're, you're changing a number there in the planetary vibration or does it have a, like, is it more like the butterfly effect where you change yourself and then something unexpectedly might change on the other side of the world. Like what sort of change are we talking about? Yeah. See, here's the thing. I don't know exactly how all of this works. I mean, to the same extent, a scientist doesn't know exactly how their theories work. Like you can, you can come up with narratives that give you the ability to reliably reproduce to, to reliably produce causes and thereby get effects. But like, how does an atom work? Well, okay. Well, how how do the how do the subatomic particles work? I mean, you can always trace uh, the mystery of causality down further and further until you're left with no no explanation at all. And I think it's similar in so many aspects of our lives. I don't know exactly how it works. I can give you an idea of what I use as a as a as a stand-in for my lack of understanding, what Ra calls the keys of unknowing, right? That's what, that's what the positive polarity is, is, is pursuing, the keys of unknowing. Uh, and it is the idea that uh, uh, the earth is a kind of focal point for this experience we are all having collectively on this planet. When we ground this energy that's in the cosmos into this planet through our will and desire, we have given it this very basic charge that then allows the earth as a whole to distribute it as it will. The same way that I take in uh, food, 
I don't think about, well, hey, you got to you got to send a certain amount of the calories to the heart. You got to send a certain amount of calories to the brain. You know, like it figures it out and I don't worry about it. I trust that this organism, this 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 creation of intelligence is going to work this out in a way that I don't have to monitor and direct. So let me rephrase maybe the same question to for John. Um so you know when you're when you're trying to employ white magic um to aid in the polarization of the self towards love and light you know we've talked about uh in many in many uh different sessions uh how there there's feedback available as to whether you're polarizing right towards the surface to others there are um you know whether you're you're naturally organically responding to catalytic situ- situations that maybe bothered you in the past with more love right so there are ways to kind of get feedback as to whether um, the self is being polarized towards love and light. But um, is there going to be feedback to know that uh, your magical working is in addition also affecting the planetary vibration? How do I know that what I'm doing, is there a way to find out um, whether I'm affecting the planet? Yeah. Um, first, I, I would say, Jeremy, that, that that was beautifully said. I think that that's exactly uh my position too. Like we, I, I, we, you, there's no way I, I think to officially know, right. Um, the, the law of one transcripts do kind of give some clues as, as to how this works. Um, and one of the things that, that I, I've read and, and, and understand myself is that, you know, doing this work of, of opening up to intelligent infinity, right. And, and kind of in working with magic, grounding that divine energy into this planet is, is that it affects the, the, the collective unconscious of, of the planet. And it's almost like you're planting a seed in the, in the collective unconscious that that can then bubble up into, you know, um, wherever else, you know? So like, for example, um, I, I like to think of it as like, how did, how did, uh, certain, um, uh, 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 you know, similarities between different cultures coexist at the same time, right? It's like, it's, well, they obviously got it from, you know, the, you know, from, from the same source. And in, in, in that case, it's like, it was an archetype, right? Or, or it was, it was a, an idea that was planted within the, the, the collective unconscious. And so when you're doing this work, um, I do believe that it, it, it transfers to everyone, in, in that sense, um, you know, like a hundredth monkey effect. Kind exactly. Of thing. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a subtle, it's a subtle thing, right? You're not going to know, especially if you're deeply unconscious, you're not going to know. But I, I believe that, you know, doing the work of awakening, doing the work of, of, of opening the heart and doing the work of grounding this, you know, uh, bringing forth the divine energy through you and clearing the, the, the energy centers that work does have an effect on 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 the entire planet in the sense that it helps it helps in some way it helps um other people from across the world um you know uh uh uh, understand this information a little bit too now now there is the other side of that too in that you know it is the work of bringing this out into the world and in the form of what we're doing in the form of what the law you know our research and 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 um 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 other organizations where they're publishing transcripts, they're publishing these things, people are talking about it, right? It's getting into the, the, in the conscious minds of everyone. Um, that is the other side of that too. So it's teaching, it's, it's, it's speaking openly about these concepts. And that also has, has, has a great effect, um, um, 
on 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 others as well. So when 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 you start doing magical work, um, you start receiving information, right? You start you start receiving uh, insights into into how you should be kind of working, right? And that kind of goes with with the idea of like do you know uh, uh, the, the strengthening of the will, right? It's like the will, you know, you, you become guided by your your true will, right? By the higher self, by you know, uh, by the one infinite creator, in terms of where you should be, how you should be, what you should be communicating, um, you know, what you should, what work you should be doing, right? And that's that comes after you work on yourself. You've developed that foundation. You clear out the lower energy center. You you become balanced to a, a great degree. Then you can start working in this world in in terms of bringing the that that seed, right? Those seeds of knowledge and, and kind of spreading that out. And I think that's that's where a lot of this can be transmitted, um, you know, really effectively. Wait, wait. I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the energy centers because I think that there are a lot of I, I don't want to enumerate them all, but there were several points in the law of one in the raw contact where they talked about magic being synonymous in many cases with energy transfers of different kinds. Wait, wait, wait. So, and it would be, are we saying yeah. then, right now, this discussion is a magical working of some sort, Jeremy? Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, John's got it. Like, like, what? Like, yeah, but like, it's not very focused, right? Like you would do in a in a magical working in the same way that like, uh, every day you wake up is like a graduation. But it's different than graduating from high school, putting on the robe, going through the ceremony, right? Like the, 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 the interesting thing about like third density consciousness and one of the things that really separates it from second density is this self-awareness that gives us the ability to make to, – to, to sort of like make distinctions that we then charge with meaning and significance, um, we can put on certain ceremonial garments. We can uh, we can have holidays that uh, have significance. I mean, we can have weekends that have significance. I'm enjoying that right now. Um, these are things that we create, but they tend they start to accrue through the through the collective uh, uh, recognition and honoring uh, power. And it gives structure to our personal and shared experience. All there, there are plenty of people. I mean, like Robert Anton Wilson was one of the thinkers that really got me into thinking about the power of ritual magic. Uh, but he approached it mostly as like kind of like a psychological technology. Um, there's um, neurolinguistic programming and and magic have a lot in common in the sense that they are trying to use the plasticity of the brain and the fluidity of the mind to channel energy in these like more intense ways than say we are partaking in in this conversation right now that does not mean that there's nothing magical to what we're doing right now it's just that in the same way that like you know the graduation ceremony for high school is a particular kind of transition uh, uh, period that uh, we all go through, you know, in smaller and smaller, less and less concentrated ways throughout our entire life. And even moment by moment, uh, it's the same way with magic. So it's more of a spectrum and it's less of a like, well, this is this and that is that. 
So do uh, either of you have any personal experiences with magic you'd like to share? Um, sure. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, in terms of like how, how it's affected my life or, or stuff like that, or, or are you looking more specifically for like, you know, seeing angels or something like, like that? I mean, I guess, uh, that all sounds juicy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. So, I mean, you know, in, in terms of, uh, I, I guess like the, the biggest experience for me, right. was, was just like the, you know, like I said, when I first started working, in uh in consciousness where you know waking up and stuff and i started with yoga and um meditation and i you know i would do kind of foolish things like in in my opinion which is like trying to open up the third eye before you know i even had the understanding of what the lower energy centers were and you know just like 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 uh very foolish things like that and so and you know i i had some very interesting experiences you know out-of-body experiences and things like that you know astral projection and stuff and, uh, and that was, you know, again, like, you know, I started getting like, okay, well now, you know, I'm starting to attract, you know, ne- negative beings and stuff like that. So, so, so I would, I would regularly kind of like, you know, as I'm trying to fall asleep, be like overcome with fear. Right. I would see, you know, black orbs and think, you know, just like, obviously I would wake up drained, right. Drained of energy. Cause it was like something was there, like sucking my energy away, you know? And not only that, but you know, experience in the world, right? You're just kind of, you're kind of like, you know, like, like I, I think it's funny. It's like funny when, 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 when people say like, you know, oh, like, uh, it, it's like I'm, I'm having a bad day, right? It's like, it's like, it's like that concept is like you're basically letting the world affect your mental state, right? And it's like, it's like yeah. you're out of control. And so that was the first thing that was kind of interesting when I started doing the banishing ritual, the lesser pentagram, is like. First off, the the draining feeling I I got when I woke up went away. The negative beings, you know, that were, you know, draining the energy off me were, were gone. That that was the first thing. Um, the next thing I noticed was that you know my life started getting more in order. Right, I I started to have more control. I started to have a more of an understanding of how I was affecting things and, and and versus having letting things affect me. Right, and that was like the the most noticeable thing. That was like, okay, this is this is real, right? This is, this actually was happening, but it was interesting because I, I didn't understand when you're doing the banishing ritual, you're drawing pentagrams and you're saying these words, you know, these, these, these Hebrew words, and I don't know Hebrew and I, and I didn't really understand what they meant, but yet it was still working. You know what I mean? And that was very interesting. And I think, um, in our call last weekend with, with, uh, Stephen Timon, he was, he was speaking about symbols and language and, and how mm-hmm. this, how this, how this works. And, and and in these magical practices in the West have, have a very long tradition, and it's almost like the symbols themselves are are are, are typal, you know what I mean? And they just work right w- without having to need to really understand, um, you know what what exactly they mean when you're starting out. Eventually, you do learn and you understand like okay, this upward means this, and you know this word means that, and and that's very important. But it's also important just to start you know, working on it and, and doing it because then you'll, you'll gain an understanding of yourself. Can I jump in here? Yeah, yeah, for sure. uh, I think, I think that you uh, put your finger on something that's very important in the law of one tradition of thinking and working with magic, which is that it's very, very similar in a lot of ways. It's kind of like a more uh, powerful way of balancing your catalyst generally. 
Mm. Um, in session 94, uh, question 20, those of Ross say, the nature of experience is such that the attention shall constantly, shall be given constantly varieties of experience. Those that are presumed to be negative or interpreted as negative may seem in abundance. It is a great challenge to take catalyst and devise the magical positive experience. That which is magical in the negative experience is much longer coming, shall we say, in the third density. And I think that's really good because you're not – what you were describing there, you didn't necessarily, in my opinion, need specific rituals handed down from time immemorial to work with that. But what it did was it gave you like a handle to hold on to mm-hmm. so that you could more – uh, you could concentrate more and direct your consciousness and will towards the ends that you want. I see you nodding, so oh, yeah, yeah, no, you agree. <laughs> no, for sure. No, I, I, that's yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's one of the goals of 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 of, of Western magic is is really this idea of of starting with the basics and kind of building up towards towards these 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 higher systems and yeah. higher understandings with the goal of developing the energy system developing the will right and 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 uh, you know like i said when i was younger i was i was just i was sensitive to this stuff so i was just jumping right in you know like like let's open a third eye let's let's go right to psychic you know abilities let's let's do that you know and that's like a very bad idea i'm i'm very grateful that you know nothing really bad happened but you know it, it can you know you can go you know, the stories of people going insane and, and stuff like that. So anyway, Absolutely. yeah. So having that foundation is really important, but in the West we have that in, in the East, like I said, the, in the East, they have that too, right? It's, it's, it's with working with a guru. It's, it's doing the basic yoga practices and things like that in the West. You know, we don't really have that, um, uh, except in, in magic, which is, which is really about that. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I also wanted to point out Nathan that it, at the level, at the, at the generalized level, that we're talking about magic. I would argue in the same way that I had the, uh, the, the example of uh, high school graduation, you deal with a magical system every single working day as a lawyer. What is court? Yeah, yeah. But a ritual ceremonial system yeah. in which the power of the state is directed through consistent rules. I plead the fifth. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't plead the fifth when you're working with white magic, but it works in your in your case. Um, yeah, uh, uh, I I think that uh, it's my my experiences with magic are much more limited because I think that in order to work with it in a way that doesn't like blow yourself up, there's a there's a certain level of maturity in life that you have to have in the first place. And it's hard to know where, whether, where to direct these powerful energies uh, towards anything but like getting a new car or getting a girlfriend or something like that, unless you have sort of like had a deeper seeking within yourself. Um, I think my first real experience of magic was in the visualization techniques that we learned to do uh, channeling. And then uh, once I was not doing channeling at the LL Research House, 
uh, which, after all, has a great energy and, and, and decades of protection. You know, Jim's doing the banishing ritual every day there. So that, that energy accrues in it. It's a great place to learn channeling because you do get sort of like a little bit of latent protection, even if your uh, teachers aren't paying attention at the moment. Like, it's just a great place to be. Um, and you get to figure out what is, what is the new energy coming in and what your energy is. So you can kind of see the distinction, right? You kind of feel these things out. Um, but once I didn't have that uh, available to me anymore, uh, I had to start doing clearing of spaces on my own at intensives and in my house uh, when we do uh, channeling uh, sessions with the Richmond Meditation Circle. Uh, and so we're, we have one scheduled for tomorrow uh, uh, that both of you gentlemen will be helping me with. And uh, in order to prepare, uh, I've been very, very rigorous about doing the banishing ritual in my living room all week. And... What I have noticed is that, like, you start out by doing, like, by, it's like following a recipe, right? And you're just like, I, I am a big fan of recipes and cooking because what I'm seeking to do is to have, is to get out of the way um, all of the different choices that are available to me, all of the ingredients that would be possible, all of the, all of the variations that I could make, you know. Uh, a goulash out of or something like that. I want to do it the right way first and just buy the book. And then once you feel like you have that, then I start putting my spin on things, right? And I can start, I can start uh, uh, seeing what I like and what I don't like. And that was very much how the, uh, uh, the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram worked for me. Um, I really had a hard time feeling like I was investing it with something that was mine at the beginning. I watched this video um, by a, a practitioner on uh, YouTube after going through a bunch of them and being like, no, 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 no. Uh, this guy seemed to have it down because he talked about the visualizations that he suggested uh, were important in this ritual. And then it stopped becoming this kind of like, you know, uh, kata that I was doing, where I was just like walking around and tracing images, he started talking about what I was supposed to be feeling, how I was supposed to be like imagining myself. Um, and that just kind of unlocked things because then I had a way of putting significance into it that, you know, I did feel that there was significance, but it was somebody else's significance that had been handed down. And that's great. You know, the, the, you know, those of Kuo say that one of the reasons why these uh, rituals that you don't develop yourself but that others pass down through a tradition are so valuable is that there are discarnate entities who uh, work to cooperate with these energies, either because they did them in past lives or because uh, the kind of wake that they leave over history uh, is, is attractive to them. Um, so I remember like when I first realized that the moment when you start the ritual and you're imagining yourself standing there before you've said a word is a hugely pregnant opportunity for uh, emplacing yourself, situating your consciousness and your desire to do a polarized act. Um, and so in that video, I'll share it in the notes, uh, he, he, he suggests that you imagine yourself getting larger 
and suddenly you're standing on top of the entire the planet's small and your feet are like you know huge on the planet and your your head is stretching up to the very center of the universe right you're seeing the galaxies you know none of this visualization matters except to the extent that it invokes of a feeling of reverence right and a feeling of awe and a sense that you're working with deep and cosmic forces because you are you're working with deep and cosmic forces every day of your life you're just giving it attention now because you want to do a specialized concentrated working you know you want to marshal that will and desire for a particular purpose in the in my case it's the purpose to serve and so when i do that first atab where you're like tracing down uh to your forehead to your sixth chakra like that has meaning to me uh that it didn't have before and then when I'm visualizing the archangels, that has a meaning that it didn't have before. But it was meaning that I had to discover. It wasn't like I just sat down and wrote it out. And I was like, well, this is what I'm going to do here. And this is how I'm going to think about it here. It was practice over time. And, and that's, that's what I'm hoping uh, will be the future of my uh, ritual magic practice. Because I'd like to learn other rituals to do. But I recognize that it's a it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? Like you have to like, it's a part. It, it is, it is a partner in your own self discovery. Just like meditation is a kind of thing that you do, but it it it, it it gets richer and more meaningful as you do it, and you start to understand things that you can't articulate verbally or put into easy concepts that others can understand. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think it's. That's really well put. Um, you know, it is it is the the idea of of you know, it's not following a playbook necessarily, but it's also like learning what works for you. And I think that's really important. They, there is a concept of you know um, of the contact with the the holy guardian angel in in Thelema, which is it's the goal of it. It's like to to contact your higher self essentially. Yep. So and to get downloads of information and and you can kind of. And once you do that, um, in that practice, at least it's, 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 it's where you develop your own rituals, your own understandings, your own things. And so all that stuff you learned was good framework, but now you're kind of being more creative and you're, and you're understanding that, that this symbolism works for you versus that. And so, yeah, that's, yeah, this is why I like your, uh, videos so much because I feel like you are really lateral and thinking about how to find connections between those, uh, uh, wisdoms that we've been handed down and then trying to find, like feel out those things. And you can do it in this really visually compelling way. Uh, like, I, I just really like that. Like, like who cares if we have a quibble about some like law of one concept on the periphery when we're, when we're finding these like beautiful ways to express things uh, in this fresh way that comes from the heart. Uh, it's just so awesome to, to observe. And it makes, I don't ever want, the raw material or the law of one to become some sort of dogma or theology. You know what I mean? Like we should be able to think creatively about these things. Yeah. Thank you. And I, and absolutely. I agree. I think it's, I think that the, it's there. I have seen some calls on, on the Reddit forum for like, well, we should have like a, a church or like, you know, it should be like a thing. And I'm like, that's not the, that's not the point. You know, it's like, it's like, this isn't, it's not a system. There is no system of beliefs, right? This is all just, it's, it's more of a philosophy. It's it's a way of thinking. Um, yeah, I, I just want to say to those people: Why do you not like fun? Why do you <laughs> right. not like 
genuine seeking? Why does it have right. to be put in a box and then placed on a shelf? It's safe. It can never do anything while it's on that shelf. You know what right. I mean? Right. Uh, that might be a good way to like uh, bring in this uh, February 12th, 2006 quote, quote that I find to be a really good sort of summary that Kuo gave about what's involved in doing magic. Um, so they say, what is it to, cha- to create changes in your consciousness by an act of will? There are three basic factors weighing on this matter. The first is yourself as an actor and a chooser. Right, so this is kind of what Steve was talking about last week, uh, the role of the significator, that which goes and finds those things that appeal to it. Uh, second, they continue, is your will. It's recognition as a factor, and it's discipline by your daily work. In other words, this is not about just like going through the motions one time and seeing whether you like it or not. This is about just like no experiment has just like one test case and then you decide you, know, you have a control you have a you know all this stuff going on because you're in the aggregate trying to figure out principles that you can generalize and i think that's even more uh pronounced when it's something as basic and uh primordial as the will right i mean like wow um the third they continue is that which you affect as an act of will That choice that lies before you that is entirely subjective. No two people shall see catalysts in precisely the same way. Therefore, no two people as magical entities shall create the same change in consciousness. It is the right use of will that becomes the key to working to the working of the puzzle that lies before you when you face a choice in how to respond to a situation that you perceive. It is in the state of your mind as you approach the present moment that the use of the archetypes lies. And, the, and, and here they get into the archetypes. Um, they continue, the archetypal mind, as has been iterated often during this gathering, is a resource of the deep mind. It is a plat, if you will, of energy paths that are possible within the system of illusions that constitutes space-time and time-space within third density upon your planet. It is a finite, delimited resource created for use by third-density entities within incarnation upon planet Earth. This, I think it's very, I think we would be doing the listener a disservice if we did not tie the archetypal mind in. Because no matter what magical system you are talking about, heck, I'd even include, you know, legal systems in this, Nathan. Um, What we're talking about is the resonance in better or worse ways with this root archetypal mind, the sort of building blocks of consciousness, and therefore the system of all kinds of ways in which the energy of consciousness can be articulated and used. This is why I think it is so important to have your own expression within these rituals that are set down, or to find your own expression in a system that unifies, that you then prosecute and practice over a long period of time. Uh, because it is about resonating these root archetypes at deeper and more fundamental levels, because then in the process of doing this, you are coming into contact with deeper parts of yourself. You know, we can talk about cosmic energies, but it's all the self. There are different ways in which we sort of, you know, you know, uh, oh, what, what, what's a good example? Like, uh, have you ever like, uh, uh, 
you're playing with your brother or your sister and and you put your head upside down and you cover your you cover your mouth so that it looks like uh, or you cover a part of your face so it looks like you have a really distorted face because it's upside down and it's like the, the, these different ways of like recasting and and reconfiguring the very reality that we all perceive to find nuance to find different ways of looking at it and that was a silly example but um, I think basically art and culture and social organizational patterns are all these different ways in which we play and find ways of doing it. And what, what lasts, what's timeless, are those things that resonate at these deeper levels than other things that are ephemeral. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's you know, magic is all about uncovering this symbolism to, to, to speak to the deep unconscious, right? And it's like the symbolism of language is is um is how we understand it. it's like one of the things when you're in one of the um the uh magical practices is is sigil making which is where you're or, or you know making talismans right so it's using you know uh you know it look like swiggly lines right that that don't really have any meaning um to the conscious mind but you know they you would you would you infuse meaning into that when you consecrate it and then therefore that sigil when you observe it right it it resonates with, with the unconscious part of you and, and, um, and helps to manifest that, you know, whatever, uh, energy you put into it. So, yeah, when we first started the working group, we put a lot of thought into the symbol that we chose. Mm, Yep. That's from the, uh, that's from the fool archetype. Mm. Um, and then I'll tell you that this idea that I've been, uh, sort of thinking about the Council for Social Memory, a sort of uh, more ecumenical law of one organization. Uh, it was large, like, I, I, I think this is a little bit uh, superficial and, and, and kind of doesn't reflect c- completely well on me. But I remember putting a lot of thought and uh, creativity into the logo that I designed and that the logo felt like it was motivating me to do the organization rather than the other way around. Interesting. Um, on, on a negative side of that, uh, you know, there was, uh, there's this, uh, graphic novel that Douglas Rushkoff wrote, uh, called Alistair and Adolf. And it's this whole, uh, made up story, but perhaps based in some truth about the magical warfare going on during world war two between Nazi Germany and, uh, England with Alistair Crowley, of course, being like an English, like secret magical agent, right? Mm -hmm. Doing sigils and and sex magic and stuff like this. And really, it's a really disturbing uh, book, but it starts off um, with, it it starts and ends in the modern day with uh, the main character realizing that all of the corporate logos are sigils. Yeah. Right. And they're these like powerful tools designed to manipulate us and to into sort of like channel energy in certain ways. Um, but yeah. 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 <laughs> fascinating. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I mean, a logo, right? It's logo is, you know, is, is, uh, is a sigil. Absolutely. It, it is. Yeah. So one topic yeah. we've kind of been um, hitting upon, but not directly confronting is this idea of um, magic and how, uh, it interacts with with um, individuals, uh, pairings, and groups. So a lot of the examples in the raw material, but not all, talk about like solitary uses of magic, right? Work uh, ch- basically changing the self. The example of um, 
you know, working upon a location that could be done in groups, but they don't talk too much about that. Certainly Tantra is, well, I'm, I'm not too familiar with Tantra, but I think typically it's pairs as opposed to solitary or more than two. Um, I think Ra does talk about, uh, you know, stuff that involves group magic of, um, you know, a group of positive individuals, if they put their will and focus together, can I think move a mountain? But I think that's more of an allegory than an actual example of something that's least happened on planet Earth. So what's your understanding of groups, group dynamics in the use of magic? Is it something that has a specific role? And is it something that's more basic or more advanced? Like, do you first work on individual magic and then maybe start experimenting with group? Or what are your thoughts on that? Um, I say, yeah, it's definitely more advanced. Um, you know, I, I don't have much experience working in groups, uh, personally in terms of magic. Um, to, admittedly, it's rare to find people who are actually into, into magic in the, you know, outside of the internet. Uh, it's, and it is something I am somewhat reluctant to do, uh, just because it's very, people have different intentions and different understandings. And when you're doing this kind of work, you have to be on the same page, um, and be, you know, at a similar, you don't have to be like, like, a, like one person more powerful than the other, but you have to both have be, you have to, everyone involved has to be positive and have to have that positive intention or negative, right? If you have someone who is like, you know, wishy-washy on that, it could just throw the whole thing off and, and you could attract negative beings. Anyway, it could be very damaging. So it's important to find some, you know, a group of people who are very aligned in that sense. So building that trust is very important. Um, and it takes time. And, um, so that's, you know, mainly why I, I personally haven't done, you know, group magic before. Um, but that said, if you're fortunate enough to find people who could do that, it's, it's incredibly powerful. It's more powerful than, than individual. Absolutely. Um, but it comes with more risk too, right? So you have to be very careful with, with the protection and what, what, uh, Carla and them were doing, you know, with channeling raw. I mean, that was, deeply magical right and so it was dangerous you know for them to do that which is why they protected themselves and and did all the rituals they did but they still were attacked and they still had difficulty right you know with with don you know right and and uh, uh the unfortunate incident that happened with him and and but that was and you know uh, a direct result of attracting the fifth density you know demonic you know entities who were attracted to that magical working um, and so it, it is very dangerous, you know, but it's very rewarding too. Um, and so, um, but I personally don't have much experience in that, uh, with groups. So I would say, obviously, if you're interested in magic, you should do it solitary to start and then work up to that. Yeah, I would agree. I would just say that, uh, John, you do have experience in group magic work because you've participated in more than one channeling circle oh, in the working group. Of course. Of course and yeah. I think, and I'm glad that you brought up the magical nature of the raw contact, because I think that it's important to understand that channeling is kind of a, it's a, it's a magical act, but like, I want to place the emphasis on, in my view, the information that comes through is kind of a byproduct of a magical act, right? It either is good or bad, but it is what is magical is the way that the wills and the hearts come together to create a scenario, the, 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 very, the very conduit through which something that is, that is like uh, radiantly and, and, and like just purely positive. 
That is the entire point. And that's what's so magical is that we can all get together and do this. And we find ways to do it even when there's limitations on, uh, you know, being in the same place. Um, it probably is less powerful for that way, but like we, we take measures to, 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 to facilitate that. Um, I also want to say that it's very, very clear in the rock contact that they were giving Don, Carla and Jim an opportunity to engage in more ritual work. One that I don't think that they really took up and that, and I can totally understand for the reasons we just said, they were already dealing with massive, massive, uh, headaches, uh, in terms of group work. Um, but I w- will say that uh, it is something that the working group has always had as a possible project to do. And the, the, the longer that we have staying power, I mean, part of me didn't know that we'd be around three years later, uh, but the more that we are able to use this group to build trust amongst each other and to really understand each other's hearts and what we want, so that we can uh, rely on each other's energies. I think we make it possible for us in the future. Now, there's, there's totally, there's totally uh, legitimate reasons to not want to do magic. In fact, if you don't want to, if, you, if there's any part of you that doesn't want to do it, it's just like channeling. If there's any part of you that says no, you probably should listen to that. But for those of us who have been working for a long time and who want to uh, deepen our seeking and that and serve, for those purposes, I think it's worth looking into. So no, no getting rich quick with magic, huh? Well, you could. <laughs> At least not, <laughs> not if you're trying to uh, polarize positively. Yeah, sure. yeah, exactly. I think, that, I think they're doing tons of stuff like that on Wall Street, but that's the conspiracy yeah. thing coming out in me. <laughs> so any uh, you know, final concluding thoughts here? Any takeaways for uh, us or the audience here? I do want to say one thing uh, you mentioned earlier uh, about prayer and about, is that a magical working or not? And I would say absolutely it is. And I say that, you know, one of the things is that uh, with prayer, right. It's, it's you're, you're, you're attempting to speak directly to, to God, right. To the one infinite creator. And that's the most powerful magic you can do. Um, you know, by far it, the most results I've ever had were when I directly asked the one infinite creator for, for help. And it, sometimes it immediately comes like immediately or sometimes, you know, it takes a few days, whatever, but that's, you know, um, the most effective outside of any rituals or doing anything like that. That's like number one is this is, is prayer. I would say. Yeah, I would. I, I think that is a great way to wrap up the topic because what you're talking about is this inner connection to divinity is foundational. It is the place to start. Then once you have sort of gotten to know yourself better, your flaws, your strengths, your foibles, and what it is that gets you up at, at, at the beginning of the day every day, and what you live for and what you would die for, when you start to know that a little bit more, then you have something that you have, you, you, you have substance in, that you can put into a container like a ritual. And the ritual can give that substance definition. It can focus it and it can point it in a direction. Um, when we achieve social memory and fourth density on this planet, uh, we won't. We probably will still work with ritual, but it'd be a lot clearer what we're all doing, and it'll be a lot clearer what the promise is, and how coming together and sacrificing 
a little bit of our personal will so that we as a planet can reach out to other planets and help them in a, in a, in a, in a laser beam of, you know, you know, 8 billion individuals all focusing on one idea of service to the creator, you know, that kind of power will be available to us. And I think it will be also very like, you know, relatively easy to do compared to the amount of unity we have in our political and social systems. Now, now we can start to work in these, like, you know, we can build, we can build with the Duplo blocks. Right. But it's a place to start just like we all started building with wooden blocks and Duplo and, and, and Tinker toys and stuff like that. And we're learning in these small ways, but we're learning, but it starts first with being able to, 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 to be able to pick up that Tinker toy in the first place. And that's that connection to the light within. Once you have that, you know, it's like Munka said in that uh, January 15th session. Now you have the basis for networking that light. And that's that's what, when you start to get into uh, ritual magic, and especially group magic, uh, that's that's what you're doing. But you, the starting point is very basic, and it's very intimate and personal. And, you know, what's the best way to get there? What's the, what's the Confederation's refrain for every, seemingly every question? It's the M word, meditation. Yep. Well, thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, John, for a very enlightening discussion. As I said, I wasn't too familiar with magic, um, but this really kind of helped me understand it at a, at a deeper level. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, John, we don't usually have guests uh, lately, so it's been really good to have a third poll uh, to bounce things off of. And I uh, really appreciate your personal uh, touch on this. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Do you have any uh, plugs or any anything other than your YouTube that you'd like to, to tell people about? Um, no, you just, uh, yeah, you can check out my YouTube channel, um, Inspire369, um, also on Twitter. Um, don't post as much on Twitter, but try to post a video once every few months so yeah fantastic all right well uh and thanks nithin too for joining us that the structure that you gave this uh was a great relief because otherwise john you and i have one-on-ones every once in a while and we can kind of go off into outer space uh and have a hard time finding our way back so thank (laughs) you nithin for grounding this my pleasure guys okay well, uh, uh, thank you, listeners, for uh, checking out Inaudible for a 46th episode. Man, I cannot believe that we've done 46 of these. This is that's insane. Um, but uh, really uh, hope that you will let us know uh, if we're hitting the mark for you, if you have any ideas on things to talk about. Haven't forgot about the sinkhole of indifference idea for an episode. So that's still in the, in the hopper. Um, but thank you so much for all of your support. Uh, have a great two weeks. We're trying to adhere to a two week schedule. And so far we're, we have, uh, we have a, uh, backlog of episodes. Uh, we're trying to get to where we have a backlog of episodes to, uh, release so that we can keep a nice cadence and keep in contact with y'all, uh, regularly. So thanks for your support. And in the meantime, stay in the love and light. <laughs>